Hi, this is Chris Foreman from Madness, and you're listening to the Stateside Madness Podcast. Hi there, folks, out there. I'd like you to meet Tommy McGuire's combo. Hello, and welcome to the Stateside Madness Podcast, the one and only podcast of the official Madness American Fan Service. I'm Lori, along with my co-host, Polly, here to bring you news, reviews, and deep dives into the nutty sound of the British pop band Madness. Well, hello, Stateside Madness fans. Welcome back. I'm Lori. And I'm Polly. And we've got a special record store day themed episode for you today. But before we do, I believe we have some announcements for the communicator. That we do. So up first on the communicator, Stateside Madness wanted to extend congratulations to Jonathan Young and the now Nikki Young. Uh, Jonathan and Nikki were married on May 1st. Now, we have mentioned Jonathan maybe a couple of times, and he did appear on an episode um, uh, from the House of Fun episode. Uh, But Jonathan is uh, one of the admins at MIS, and so MIS has been great friends to us here in Stateside Madness, and we could not let this go by without extending a congratulations to Jonathan and Nikki, who, coincidentally, brought together by their love of madness. Oh, I didn't know that. That is, in fact, how they met, yeah. Oh, well, so that's another relationship that we know of, because you remember we had... uh diane here in chicago who met Mm -hmm. her husband andy at the house of fun weekender and now uh now jonathan and nikki so congratulations absolutely i think i saw that our friend mr scurf was the dj for the reception in fact he was that had to be a blast and also friend to the podcast darren dicka dixon oh yeah photographer there so it's a small world in the uk madness community um and they're all all quite tight all quite good friends it's too bad that he couldn't get like the band to play <laughs> well if if you've seen his post on facebook then uh mez and the fezzes were the band now, now mez uh touring with uh, madness quite often as a uh, percussionist so mez and the fezzes played and i hear it was a fun time had by all all right yeah so next up on the communicator polly madness have finally announced their next tour it's called c'est la vie 2023 it'll be taking place in november and december with special guests the lightning seeds i love the lightning seeds i am salty times 10 here because still no American tour dates, still no love for the American fans. Yeah, uh, we can hope. Uh, at this point, I don't even hint anymore. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, fingers crossed. Not saying anything. Right. Well, that brings us to some important news about our podcast, Polly. And uh, this is something that you and I have gone back and forth about for several weeks now. This was never intended to be a three-year-long podcast, and we've been at this for almost three years. Now, when we started this, you guys might remember that it was at the beginning of the pandemic in spring of 2020, and they had just announced everything was going on lockdown, and the American tour at the time was postponed. So, Polly, you and I had sat down. We were trying to come up with a way to keep the fans engaged while we waited for the rescheduled American tour. And unfortunately, it got postponed a few times, then canceled altogether. Is it happening? Is it not happening? 
your guess is as good as mine at this point. But um, we've really kind of hit, I think, the ceiling as far as what we can talk about for a madness-specific podcast. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. You know, we've done plenty in the way of album deep dives, and we've exhausted them. We've talked to all sorts of people in the madness sphere, and it gets harder and harder to book special guests. And so we're uh, not necessarily running completely out of topics, but, uh, you know, it's on the verge of feeling forced and that we're just repeating ourselves, and that's not something we want. And that's not something we want to do. So what we're deciding on doing is kind of going on hiatus, waiting for something good to come up, and making it a little bit better than what a normal episode of the podcast might be. So what you might say is that we're going to put out specials on occasion that are a bit more uh, fulfilling, a bit more interesting, a bit more in-depth. So... We're going to go for quality over quantity from here on out. Yeah, so you mentioned special occasions. You know, for example, if there is a new album forthcoming, I'm sure we'll have an episode there. If we ever do get our American tour, again, knock on wood, you know, I think that there might be some opportunity there. But, you know, and I appreciate that we've had, we've had some really terrific guests. You know, we've had a lot of guests from other bands within the two-tone sphere, but, you know, first and foremost, this is a madness podcast. And I madness is my my true love here, you know. So then for our final regular episode, Polly, we're doing a special episode related to the April 22nd Record Store Day release. And that is I Do Like to Be, B-Side, The A-Side, Volume 3, which, Polly, I believe you managed to score a copy of. Is that correct? That I did. So, thankfully, uh, this volume was released as part of Record Store Day USA. So this is the second Madness Record Store release in the United States. So finally, we're starting to get some of that. Now, of course, the first one would have been Baggy Trousers, a uh, single release. And so, yeah, now we're lucky enough to have, I do like to be B-side, the A-side, volume three. And what's great about that is all of us who are looking for volumes one and two, we've probably been priced out by now. Uh, people are wanting ridiculous amounts of money, vol volume one in particular, uh, upwards of $200 if you're able to find it anywhere. And uh, volume two, not that much better at about, you know, $70, $80, maybe even more with shipping to get it here in the United States. So that's just a bridge too far for a lot of collectors. So kudos to BMG, finally releasing them in the United States, and we should be thankful for that. All right, so let's do a track-by-track -track deep dive. There's 12 tracks total. Side one, the first track is Round and Round. talked about in other episodes of the podcast and uh polly i know we've talked about round and round being a lee thompson and mike barson composition what do you think of this one polly i think it's uh you know no wonder it's kind of a b-side it just does not quite have that magic uh decent offering um you know i find that weak intro kind of is what i've got here in my notes um but otherwise, it's a fairly typical madness song. Um, you know, all right, not great. Hey, 
Well, and so it does begin with that minor chord structure and the lyrics, which one listener has said, retain uncertainty and underlying despair. If you listen to the lyrics very closely, around and around we go again, we do a little dance for the mortgage men. It feels like this was madness talking about, hey, here we go again, we're going to put out another album, we're going to put out another tour, you know, so we can pay the mortgage men, so we can get the money coming in again, you know, like they're back on the, the hamster wheel, if you will, right, going around and around again. And uh, I think it reflects maybe a little bit of cynicism. Uh, on their part, at least back in 99 when they released this. This was the B-side of the single for Love Struck. Up next, then, it is We Are Love. Now, this is a Chaz smash composition and also a B-side to Love Struck. that Lori, we are love yeah you know i like this one because we've talked about this one before john reed who is the band's biographer called this a tense punky collision of drums and guitar i really like this one this is a little bit of um a deviation for madness from the kind of music they normally do but it's a jam i like this one what do you think of it uh, yeah, I'm not that much of a fan. I just think it's too rock for madness. Um, you know, there's a, a bit in there with a bit of vocal distortion that I think was no doubt influenced from the preceding decade where uh, industrial was coming into its own. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, ambitious, yeah. but it's just kind of a Manchester vibe to it, doesn't it? A bit of that, too. Yeah, I guess that's what I mean. It's got too many elements going on for me to make it that cohesive. All right. What's the next song? That's you. Oh, that's right. It is me. <laughs> so the next song is another Chaz Smash composition. That is your wonderful remix. Let's listen. These are the days I love And I've been happier than most Crossing England's coast to coast So this one was another B-side from Johnny the Horse. What do you think of your wonderful, Polly? Uh, I, I love it. Uh, in this case, it is a bit more rock sounding than a typical Madness song. You know, Chris has got some very, I mean, he's, he's really taking something out of Angus Young's book with the guitar sound and tone in this. And he's, of course, on record um, numerous times of saying Angus Young is an influence, but that, of course, he gets very few opportunities to display that in the music that Madness does. So I somehow feel that this works really, really well. Now, we know that this was first played at Madstock 96, and uh, as we've said previously, it's written as a tribute to the passing of Carl's father, but I can't help but hear this song and think of the timing of the wonderful album and not think this is a bit of a tribute to fans too at least so much as the repeating of your wonderful and it's nostalgic and it's um you know it's it's uh, 
Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, a, tri- a tribute to the fans. Hey, fans, you're wonderful. It's great to be here, right? Yes, exactly. You'll have to cut out the blah, blah, blah. Of course. So the curious thing about this is it's labeled as a remix, but to the best of our knowledge, it's the only mix of the song that exists. I kind of wonder why that word is thrown in there. And this song is actually the song that the wonderful album was named after, even though it didn't appear on the album. I do really like this one. And, you know, I think that these last two tracks, again, really serve to remind us just how much Chaz brought to the band. I still think that they're missing it. You know, I think that they're missing not having him, not having his songwriting contributions, not having his vocal contributions. He really was an integral part of the band. And up next at a Barson composition, it is I Was the One. I was the one that you promised to. Right then, Lori, I was the one. Yes, you were, Polly. Mm-hmm. I don't really care for this one. It's kind of like bubblegum pop to me, you know? It's not not my cup of tea. But I do love Chris's guitar. I think Chris's guitar on this one is fantastic. What do you think of uh, of this song? Well, it's got a lot of the elements I really, really like. It does have a bit of vintage ska going on there. Um, I enjoy the song until it tries to wind up. And it just gets very, very busy in the last like 16 bars or something like that. A lot going on vocally, a lot going on instrumentally, and it's just doesn't trail off in the way you want a pop song in that vein to. So, it gets a bit cluttered, and I don't care for that. But if I had to give it a pass-fail, definitely a pass. Okay. So, t- quoting John Reed again, he wrote that this song, quote, harked back to the skanking ska of old, all swirling organ and bouncing bass. Uh, yeah, very, very good uh, organ sound that Barson has on that, too. Oh, yeah. It's very distinctive. I just don't care for the song. Eh. Okay, so next up we have Dreaming Man. This one was another B-side from Johnny the Horse, and uh, it was written by Carl and Chris Foreman. Let's listen. The spark in the flame in the words of truth, yeah. I'm in the east and I'm in the west. I'm in the stitching of a Kevlar vest, yeah. I'm everything that you see. I'm the words on the lips of Muhammad Ali. Yeah. All right, what do you think of Dreaming Man? Uh, I'm all right with it. So, Dreaming Man, here we have yet uh, one more uh, B side to Johnny the Horse. And uh, with, I believe, Tom on vocals, if I'm correct there. No? No, it's Chaz. It's Chaz. It is Chaz? It is Chaz. And, you know, it's really interesting because the first time I heard it, I'm like, who is this? It didn't sound like any of the band members. It, it kind of sounds like Chaz maybe after he smoked a bunch of packs of cigarettes or like even, you know, how... how you get morning voice, you know, when you first wake up in the morning and your voice is kind of a little deep and creaky. That's kind of what this sounds like to me. 
Yeah, and uh, what I've noticed about it, though, is I think it's a very good pair. I, I just, it definitely was reminiscent of, um, you know, uh, Lee's crunch vocals. So that's kind of what probably tricked me. But um, it's such a great pairing with Johnny the Horse, I felt. So if you're looking out for a 45, and you've got the choice of the three versions, I would probably definitely favor for this one as the B-side. And at the beginning of this one definitely has echoes of uh, London Calling by uh-huh. The Clash. Do you kind of hear that? I do. And a nice nod to Muhammad Ali in the first couple of lines, too. So there's, there's, a, there's a lot for me there in the film. All right. All right, then. Up next, and I already know Laurie's take on this. We have talked about this before. So this is a Tomo and Woody composition. It's Elysium. All right then, Lori. Okay, so this was the B-side to the single Drip Fed Fred. Most of these singles are going to have multiple B-sides now, especially since they were moving towards a digital release format around this time. Not my favorite Madness song. Lyrically, I like what's going on here. I mean, it's definitely uh, about manic depression. And then there's that line, uh, Elysium is everyone chipping at your cordiality. And that's a really, really well-written line. That is such a Tomo line. You know, those are the kind of words that he uses. What do you think of Elysium? Well, I mean, I don't care for the piano in it. Um, the way uh, that, you know, Barson, if in fact Barson wrote the piano lines, um, I'm assuming he did. I, I would gather that uh, Woody and Tomo came in with the rough structure of the song. But his... Um, Piano lines sound kind of prog rocky, and it does not really work for me. So that's a great deal. Like yes, um, and uh, not something I tend to go back to too often. So yeah, kind of. Uh, it of course is very prominent too. So it doesn't you know? There's no escaping it. And so yeah, um, I find it. Yeah, you know. Okay, Polly, flip the record over to side B, please. In fact, I will then. So on to side. B, what do we have first then, Lori? The first track is Light of the Way. forget about this one polly this is really one of the more obscure b-sides it's another drip fed fred b-side what do you think of this one well i find it a little too um country confessional i guess is what i would say it's a a, a bit church revivaly it's it's just a lot of things i not only don't like, I'm really anathema to, you know, so it's kind of like, I don't know. It's got that, you know, a bit of a sing-song, funky-tonk hook to it, but yeah, I would never, I would just, I would never, I would never, never, never. Okay, I feel similarly. In fact, I have in my notes that it has a country rock vibe to it. It was written by Carl, Carl on vocals, you know, and I get that 
you know, he was experimenting with a whole bunch of different musical styles before the band got back together in 99. I wonder if maybe this might have stemmed from like one of those Velvet Ghost sessions or something. Mm. But um, yeah, uh, this is not not one of the stronger tracks on this album, I don't think. However, uh, the next one is, I feel, and it is Skylarking. Then Lori Skylarking. You know it's not bad. This is a, a a cover of an old Horace Andy song from like '72, right? Uh, it is. I th- although I think it was written by Justin High, um, okay. who was on and off again partners with Horace Andy. So uh, yeah, it's definitely you know it's a it's a Scott classic um, that I love a great deal, and they almost went a little bit further back with that with the vocals and getting that true like trojan sound of a bit echoey uh lead vocal in a way more echoey uh backing vocal on it he's got a very dance hall vibe to it yeah yeah that's not something you even see a great deal um in madness records in general is that strong use of echo so I just I really like it. It's a very faithful rendition. Um, yeah, I for me, what's not to love? Okay. Well, this was a B side for Shame and Scandal, and then there's another B side from Shame and Scandal coming up next, and that is Dreader than Dread. Some booze, some backy, a nasty bit of brown. That's some way to spell Cameron. Nah, Dreader than Dread. Nah, rougher than rough. All right, so how do you like them apples? Dreader than dread. I, I do like it. I would never go as far as to say that this is superior to the original. Uh, Honey Boy, Martin, uh, that was just such a fantastic and iconic. Uh, I wouldn't even call Dreader than Dread Ska. Just straight up, I, I would say probably reggae. But um, I think it's just a fantastic version. They definitely breathed a lot of life into it. And, um, yeah, when you were just mentioning, mentioning dance hall, this is almost like a bit of a dance hall, uh, almost moving into a bit trance. Um, yeah, I, I love it. It's fantastic. Okay. I, um, I think it's silly. <laughs> I, I, I think the, no, I you know the original I I I it was you know came from a very different place and the original I think is fine but I, I I know I've said this before I really don't think that our boys do well when it comes to reggae and I think mm-hmm. that we should leave the reggae to the people that do reggae and so to me this almost feels like a parody. I mean, I know that's not what the boys were intending. I know they were trying to get back to their sky roots and have a little bit of fun with it. But, I mean, even just singing about, you know, a dreader than dread, well, we're talking about, like, the dreadlocks and Rasta culture, right? I mean, and here you got a bunch of white guys singing about it. That's, I, yeah, that just, it, it feels like a parody to me, you know? 
Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a peculiar choice, but then that whole album was to a certain extent. Um, it was. But, yeah, but, uh, you know, of course, I'm on, on record, you know, let's say I actually really do love the Danger Boy, Danger Boy. So, of course, Danger I'm on record. <laughs> so, of course, I'm on record from, you know, having talked about the Danger Man sessions on an episode as saying I really like that project, but it's very dicey and very risky to take classics particularly this one which is like i'm not going to say it's like the equivalent of hey jude uh for you know rastas or anything like that but there's a reason why people don't cover hey jude you know some things you just don't touch however i didn't say i liked it and i do think they breathed a little bit of life into it but uh i i guess what i'm saying your point Completely valid. Thank you. <laughs> and then another version of a song off of the Danger Man Sessions. It's Girl, Why Don't You, the dub mix. Girl. Right then, what are you thinking, Lori? Well, so I'm wondering, is it called dub because it's a dub version of the song, or is it because it was produced by Steve Dub? I wasn't able to find any answers on that. I don't know. It could have been a little column A, a little column B. I'm not sure. So I do know that this is a cover of a Prince Buster tune. I like the original version that Madness did of this one. I think that's a fun one. This one, it's, yeah, I could do without all the bells and whistles, you know, all, all of the effects. What do you think? I see you nodding. Yeah, kind of the same thing. Dub is really, really tricky. Dub in general, the sort of genre and then subgenre, it would seem, of a lot of other types of music. And dub, when it does its job, you know, adds life and danceability to a solo. Um, and I think it's best when it's done a bit sparsely. But this is, again, just another cluttered song with just a bunch of shit crammed in there. So yeah, it's kind of like, you know, who's it? Really, who's it for? This isn't like this. This does not lack the subtlety of Scratch Perry dub versions of things. You know, it's just. Blah, you know, uh -huh. so yeah, you're right. The the version that appeared on Dangerman Sessions far far superior. All right. So next up, we have the B side from NW5. This is bittersweet. I used to cry. Okay, so Polly, this is a cover of the Undertone song, and I know you're a fan. How do you like this one? Uh, I can't. Well, here's where I'm in danger of uh, my old man brain and maybe saying something exactly contradictory from the first time we talked about this. But uh, in listening, to, I just bought uh, the new uh, compilation of uh, the two LPs of the Undertones, which was just released a couple of weeks ago, I think. So um, 
I was listening to both versions back to back. And I'm not going to say that the Madness version is superior because Bittersweet, the undertone song, is a weird and wonderful song. It's very, very slow compared to the version we just heard. Uh-huh. And um, and it's just, you know, a great deal more orchestrated and uh, it's it's a great deal more melancholy. And then the Madness version, really not that melancholy at all. Um, you know, when the ver- uh, Suggs has a great vocal delivery, it's perfect for his range. He doesn't get into any tricky territory, which happens to our boy sometimes. You know, in Fergal Sharkey on the Undertones version, almost crying in some of the singing, you know? So it's really, really two radically different songs uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I, I do love the Madness version, but, of course, equally love the Undertones version as well. So I confess I'm going to have to go back and look up the Undertones version because I know that I listened to this, boy, back when we were doing, however, like, what, two years ago when we were doing an episode on this, but I, I really I don't recall it since then. Um, as far as Madness songs go, this one is just okay. This one is kind of, to me, like a musical palate cleanser. You know what I mean? It's mm, Yeah. It, it, it's... It's bland, it's inoffensive, it just kind of cleanses the musical palette from whatever came before so that you can move on to something else. I'm going to get a lot of hate from this episode, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) All right, so, Polly, we're almost at the end of the album. That we are, and we're moving on to Rodette Song. Now, you'll remember... That the Kilborn and the High Road song, blah, 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 blah. Yes, we're almost at the end, and this would be the last offering. It is Rodat song. It's an Ian Dury and Russell Hardy composition. You'll probably remember it as a Kilborn and the High Road song. Let's take a listen. So we talked about this one in our sexy time for madness episode, which, by the way, was one of my favorite episodes that we did, Polly. (laughs) And um, I remember expressing when we talked about this that I was just kind of shocked at Suggs delivering some of these words. Mm. You know, when Ian Dury delivers it, it's expected. But let's face it, Suggs has really got kind of a clean cut, wholesome image. And for him saying some of these things that he's singing about, I'm blushing a little bit when I hear this. I mean, I think it's a very, very good, very faithful rendition of the song. We've talked about in other episodes how influential Ian Dury was on our boys. And I think that they're paying him tribute here. And I think that it's a worthy tribute. Just a little like, ew, when I hear Suggs singing about some of this stuff, you know, like, it's like hearing your dad say something nasty, you know? It's like, ew. <laughs> what do you think of this one? Uh, well, I I have zero qualms about that. You know, I'm a huge Prince fan. So yes. the fact that things get a little bit hypersexualized is not going to shock me in any way, shape, or form. Well, it's not, it's not that. Prince doesn't bother me either. It's who it's coming from. Well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, I don't know. This is when you're out talking with the boys and having some drinks or whatever. This is this this is quite normal. So it's kind of like I don't know. It's never okay. gonna it's never gonna bother me. Um. So yeah, like you said, very faithful rendition. 
it's perfect for a B-side. And this is what I wish more people did with covers uh, is because they want to do covers. Covers are fun. Covers are a great, a great way. Uh, covers way. are a great way. <laughs> That's staying in. Don't do that. <laughs> put it put it after put it after the closing song. Covers are a great way to you know show your admiration for somebody that you appreciated growing up or coming up. Um, but yeah, don't put don't don't put them on the album or put less of them on the album. But you got to put something on B side. Boom! Perfect marriage of function and form. You know they don't usually do that. No, they don't. Uh, it's a good way to end this album, though. You know, <laughs> I understand why they released this, right? I mean, there, there's some of this stuff has never been on vinyl, particularly from these digital-only releases. And, and there are collectors that love this kind of stuff. But, I mean, I'm starting to feel like a lot of these, especially a lot of these re-releases that have come out recently, I mean, I've been buying them diligently, but it's the same stuff. I mean, it'll be the, the same content. Maybe there's new liner notes from one of the band members or something, and that's fine. And, I mean, I buy it because, you know, I want to support the band. But there's only so many... There's only so many discs of, for example, Absolutely, that one girl needs. You know what I mean? Oh, there you there. Only so many discs of the Danger Man sessions that I well, need. Yep. So uh, I, I guess that what I'm getting at is, you know, I, I hear that they're working on new material. I really hope that they are. But um, I don't know. It's, it, it's kind of hard to, it's hard being a Madness fan in the U.S. in 2023. Damn straight. Yeah. Um, you're not wrong there. It is hard. Um I think I think you were you answered your own question almost a little bit there when saying, you know, yeah, collectors. Um, I think this is exactly what the intent of Record Store Day is kind of all about. Um, is it's a bit of a hey, um, uh, you know, started as um a way to just draw attention to independent record shops and maybe give them a boost and it also was a way to at the same time reward fans who really do love those deep deep cuts and rarities and things like that so um this is always going to be the type of thing um that they're gonna put out and you know kind of good on them for that you know this isn't for casual record shoppers you know yeah. Um, the limited releases and not intended, I don't believe, to really make uh, the artists uh, much money when they're doing it for Record Store Day. Huh. Okay. Well, I mean, because it's all going to end up on eBay anyway. For Record yeah, Store unfortunately. Day. Unfortunately. And, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to live in an area where um, there's quite a few uh, per capita independent record shops where um, you do not need to queue up uh, four hours before the stores open. Uh, you more or less just walk in at any point on that day and you stand a very fine chance of uh, picking up the record you want. Um, so this was effortless for me, uh, but also I'm going to keep it. Yeah. eBay and people, you know, profiteering off of buying rarities does leave one with a sour taste in the mouth yes well on that note <laughs> <laughs> you know polly i really got to thinking after we had our last interview with the crombies our listeners will remember that they're local to me they're here in chicago and i think it was v one one of the band members it was either v or mike had mentioned that they had tickets to the Madness Oakland show. And I had tickets to the Madness Oakland show as well. And then another one of the gentlemen was talking about how he had tickets to the Boston show. And what this really says, and I really hope that band management is listening to this. You have fans here in the Midwest who are willing to travel 2,000 plus miles to go see Madness. And to make this huge trip out of it. And Polly, you were going to go to several. You were just going to fly from 
like what, Boston to New York to Philly or something like that? You were going to hit all of those. I was going to all the shows. That's true. So why no love for the American Midwest? Why, you know, as you guys have heard me say before, they last toured Chicago in 1983. It has been 40 years. Boys, it's time, okay? I think we have proven ourselves as loyal fans. We want to see you here in the States. Yes, we want you to come to California. Yes, we want you to come to New York. But we'd love for you to hit some of the cities in the interior, too. Your fans are here. We've been waiting. We've been doing a podcast for you for three years in anticipation. I am begging you. Please, because none of us are getting any younger. And I don't know how many more years of touring they've got left. That's it. Rant over. Uh, well done. Uh, yeah, I guess I would echo that by saying stateside madness. Uh, I don't mean the four of us who put together the podcast, the blog, the website, all the social media. Um, you know, we've been at this for more than three years now, and that's like a like I said, it's not the four of us. It's stateside madness. It's everybody who watches us, who listens to us, who reads the blog, who's on uh, the social media groups and things like that. The at this point, hundreds of people that we've been able to capture and bring in and sort of you know, make stateside madness. That's not counting all the people that bought all these tickets that would have filled up, you know, 1,500, 2,000, 2,000 plus venues in six or seven different stops that the original tour was supposed to make. So there's a lot of us. Please do come back. Please spend some time. Please do look around our lovely country. Um, yeah, we are, for the most part, all older fans, and we've earned it. Please come to the United States. Well, and a lot of us have introduced our you know, kids and our grandkids to this music as well. And a lot of the fans that we've talked to have talked about how much their families also like Madness. So, you know, we'd love to be able to share this with the next generation but you guys have to meet us halfway you know you guys you have to come so i guess on that note our closing song today is going to be madness you'll lose a good thing so madness please realize that you have a good thing over here in the usa all right and we don't want you to lose that on that note we'd like to thank everybody everybody who's helped us out in the past three years, the people that we've met, the people we've interviewed, the people who've participated in our fan engagement episodes, the people who've helped connect us with people uh, that have helped us. This has been a huge undertaking. And, uh, and Polly, I had no idea that this was going to blow up the way it did. I really didn't. How about you? Uh, no, no. We've had a great deal of success. So, uh, you know, we trend in strange countries like Cyprus and Argentina. And uh, yeah, we've really got uh, reached this pretty far. And uh, so far as we know, we've been rated in top 10% of podcasts, but certain rating agencies, we've had no short amount of success. And that doesn't happen without people listening. Um, even when long, boring rants. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so thank you for all of that. And uh, like we said, we're not stateside madness isn't over. All the social media, the website, everything else is going to continue to happen. And we will be back with specials. Uh, we're just going to slow down the pace. We're going to have get a little bit more me time. Lori's on to bigger and better things professionally, so she's getting a little bit busy. I'm in the um, twilight of having my child at home because she's moving on to college so we're taking a little bit of time and we're gonna only come back when we've got something very special for you so this isn't goodbye it's just uh for now for now for now 
And on that note, I see now I can't say it's a goodbye for me, but thank you again for listening. Yeah, thanks again. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness. If you should lose